Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. This is Nancy McCrady. Welcome to Tent Talk. So glad that you're on with me today. In this episode, I talk about the beauty of God's judgment and his fire. I talk about the beauty of his purpose in it and uh, how there is always the afterwards when judgment comes. Listen up, and I think that you will have your mind completely renewed where judgment is concerned. Hey everybody, I'm so glad that you're with me today. I am being deeply, deeply stirred. And I'm a strong believer in not going on this journey by myself and trying to bring along as many people with me as possible. So here on Tent Talk today, because I am being so deeply, deeply stirred by the Lord to come uh, to the place where I again embrace what it is that He has embraced me for. And he's embraced me for himself, not just that I would have a better life because I have received Jesus, although I most certainly have not just a better life, but a new life altogether because I share in his actual life, that he came for me to deliver me from myself and back to him for his original purposes for why it is that he made me. So when God begins to tap me so deeply that uh, he's not just tapping me to make sure my theology is correct, but he's tapping me to remember that he is my theology. He is my destiny. He is my goal. He is my purpose. I exist because of him and I exist for him. So welcome to Tent Talk today. He's tapping me to remember why even that this podcast is called Tent Talk, which is out of Isaiah 4. And when he taps me because, and some of you may not quite understand what I'm saying, but when he taps me because the belt on my robe is about to get caught up again in the machine of ministry, Rather than being caught up in him for his purposes, because why is it that we have tent talk? Why is it that we talk, period? Why is it that we study the word and all of that is so that we speak as a mouthpiece of him? I hear what my father is saying, and I say it. I see what my father is doing And I do it. So I am coming back to the place today because he is tapping me so deeply that um, I must say what he's saying. And anybody that knows me knows that I don't apologize for repeating myself. I hope that God gives me uh, many great ways to communicate his heart, his love, his mercy, his repenting voice calling us to come and turn away from everything else and to turn to him, that he'll give me as many ways as possible to be able to get that message out. But do not let the message uh, be mixed 
This is what he's telling me today. Even as I'm in rewrites of my book, even as I'm visiting with people, even as I'm, I'm recording this podcast, he's telling me, Nancy, the message cannot be mixed. So he shakes so as to make sure that everything stays focused. And uh, so, again, I don't want to go on this by myself. So this is what the podcast is going to be about. And to not have the belt on my robe be caught in the machine of ministry is a reminder to me that I am his, you are his, and that we have been called, we are the privileged who have been called to him for such a time as this. Is what we are saying, is it what he is saying to us? You see, we're not here to preach down to other people. We're not here to tell other people what it is that they need to do. What are we really passing on? The very words that he has been required to speak to us. What I'm sharing with you is what he has had to speak to me. And this is where there is authority, where there is fire, where there is impact, where there is effectiveness. It's not where I straighten everybody else out from their perversions and crookedness. This is like, let me tell you what he said to me as he was straightening out me, that he was bringing his straight to my crooked, where he was bringing Uh, purity, where there was my perversion, are we passing on the very thing that we sustain our own lives with, or are we trying to stand on some moral high ground and point to everyone else who's misbehaving? I fear that oftentimes this is unfortunately what happens within the church. You see, there's there's an old saying that came from Florence Nightingale, and uh, she said, do the sick no harm. She was a reformer that came to cleanse that which was filthy because at that time and in that age and in that era that if you went into the hospital, you could catch something worse than what you came in with because the conditions were so filthy and those who were the caretakers, the nurses, uh, were of ill repute, some thought. And when Florence Nightingale came in, the lady of the lamp, she came in with some fire and she would stay up all night if necessary, but she was going to reform the hospital system and create, in many ways, the hospital system. So a reformer is someone who comes in with fire to bring back to a purity and to a purpose uh, that which has been lost or was never fully even walked in. And so when we as the church, I say this to those who I work with and, and all is, look, we've got to do the sick no harm. People ought not come to church and catch something worse than what they came in with. Yeah, they came in with sin and then we heaped upon them religion and just behave and do good and have a seat. And, you know, and and what's happened is, is that if we are not careful, we, if we are not careful, 
then what happens is, is they catch something worse when they come into church than what they had when they came in. You know, the old preachers would say things like that the hardest of hearts is not the sinner. The hardest of hearts, the hardest ones to reach are the ones who sit in the pew week after week hearing the word of God, yet have no intention whatsoever of repenting from their wickedness. Wow. I'm telling you, the preaching that is completely uh, born of the fire of God is very powerful. And of course, we think of the fire of God as the judgment of God. And the way that flesh and hell love to confuse the church is to think somehow there should be no judgment whatsoever. Let's all be loving and let's all just extend an olive branch and let's all just, you know, make sure that everyone feels comfortable. All right. But listen to me. The fire of God, the judgment of God is what brings exposure to the mixture that we have been living in. And that that fire brings judgment upon that which God knows is a hindrance to our, to our wholehearted devotion to him. So when God brings fire, it's first the fire of his love because he has desired you, because he has desired us, his church, his blood-bought church. And when that fire comes, it is to expose and to reveal what something actually is so that we then can come into agreement with him and say, wow, God, I had embraced this. I was walking in it. I was tolerating it. And I didn't realize that it was, although it might appear good, it was not of you. And it was... Uh, not of you, and it is actually something that is good, and it is taking the affections of my heart, or more accurately spoken, I am giving the affections of my heart to these good things, but they are a hindrance to my oneness with you, to my intimacy with you. But I didn't see it, God, until your mercy and your love brought fire to me so that I could see it when he was shaking and sifting it was to separate out so that whoever he was shaking and sifting could see what they previously could not see I oftentimes use this example with people because I learned this from his dealings with me personally so I pass it on is that it's like if you're close to a mirror if you go stand with your nose right up to a mirror, everything is blurry. Uh, you can barely see the outline of something, but you cannot make it out because you're so close to the mirror. But if you step back from the mirror, if you back up a little bit, if you're separated from the mirror and you back up, then things begin that were previously distorted. Those things begin to get clearer. So when God is shaking, sifting, and separating you out from things by fire, by his judgment upon it, it is so that you can then begin to see clearly what you've been um, tied up with, what you have been one with, what you have tolerated, what you have run in hot pursuit of, because, 
you know, some of us just have to get real about the fact that, you know, we didn't fall into sin. We were in hot pursuit of sin. And, you know, every kind of sin isn't because, oh my goodness, I was deceived. Oh my goodness, I didn't know. Now, some of it is, is we knew exactly what it was and we went after it with all of our might. And it is God's mercy that comes when he brings fire, when he taps on us, when he begins to reform us, when he begins to do no harm to us, but he does wound us so as to separate us from that which would destroy our intimacy and our oneness with him because this is what he's after and listen to me my friends this is what we're going to have to have it's our literal protection for the days we're in and the days that are coming oh the days that are coming is that he's trying to get us now back into deep oneness with him the deep inward internal interior abiding oneness with him that is our fortress he is our strong tower so he brings this sifting and shaking and fire and judgment and burning and sifting so that we can be separated out so if you're seeing sin more clearly if you are recognizing your own patterns of flesh meaning your independent ways of trying to meet your own needs, take care of yourself, um, you know, impress people, you know, all of these aspects of flesh, all right, then that is a good thing. Now, I know from deep personal experience, I know that it is a heartbreaking time. I know that it is, um, it, it is a, a, a powerful time that the overwhelming weight of truth comes on us. That's why we must quickly, my friends, quickly turn to him as our comfort when he is exposing things. Listen, you couldn't handle uh, things when you were young and powerless as a child. Uh, that's why we ran to flesh. We ran into our own independent ways. But now, my friends, you're not powerless. You're not... Um, you're not five years old. You're not 10 years old anymore. You're grown. You can now make a decision to run into your strong tower. Run into him. Stay in the canopy of his glory. Stay under the tent of his presence. Welcome to Tent Talk. All right. Stay with him in abiding, continuing, remaining, no matter what happens. Do not run. Do not run in this time of judgment. Do not run from him. Run into him. Because if you're able to see it, it means he's separating you out from it. It isn't that it just got ugly. It's been ugly, my friends. We just couldn't see it because we were too close to it. We might still have been under the illusion of certain things. We were still believing things and being under the influence of things that were not him. But oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and how he wants you. And he's coming with great mercy, um, with great love, with great fire to separate you out from those things that would hinder wholehearted devotion between you and him. Uh, that your allegiance will not be a divided allegiance. Because I'm going to tell you, um, he's tapping me to get back to what tent talk is. Is uh, He's jealous for you 
my friends, he's jealous for you. You know, I heard someone uh, earlier today that said it like this, that when he was on the cross, when he came and nothing could deter him, nothing could distract Jesus from going to the cross so that the Father could have sons, that Jesus could have his church, that they could have what they always wanted, that which they chose out from before the foundations of the world. They chose out you and me, the corporate son, the corporate bride, all right, that what they always wanted, that Jesus came to restore us back to the Father, that the love, that, that he almost appeared as a madman, of love and jealousy because nothing, nothing could deter him. And listen, my friends, we're called to live like Christ. Can things deter us today? Can things keep us distracted today? Maybe your belt loop is, or your belt is getting caught up in the machine of ministry or, or in the machine of self-focus and self-promotion, or maybe you're caught up in a depression, which is really such a fiery anger at, at how, you know, things are not going the way that you want. And, so it is depressing you rather than exploding out on others. I don't know where your belt is getting caught up in today, but whatever it is, I hope that you can hear him today, that he is saying to you, come out from all of that. Get up. Come towards me. Come under the tent of my presence. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at NB McCready. He wants this to be experiential between you and him because his love is what caused him to create us in the first place, right? Love is what caused him to send his son. God doesn't just forgive you and I because he loves us. No, it was his love that sent the sacrifice who would have to die and pay for every single sin and do many things upon the cross, all right, so that we could be returned to our oneness with him. You see, he loves you and judgment is when he says, this is how I judge this. This is what I say about your flesh. This is what I say about sexual sin. This is what I say about this. Now, will you, if he were talking to me, and trust me, he is, if he says, Nancy, will you say what I say about it? So you see, this is where judgment and confession come in. He judges, and I confess and agree with him, and he is able then to remove it. He removes the barrier. And I want to encourage you, as I am being encouraged today, is to run towards agreement with him. Run towards coming into agreement about the judgment, about what God says that it is. Because he is coming after our defiled independence. You know, the tent that I speak of, of his presence, is so clearly spoken of in Isaiah 4. And years ago, when I look back and I see how long it has been, 
I know that he pitched this tent over me in 1994 when um, I began to walk into the good things and the machine of ministry. And then in 1995 and 1996, he had to so deeply deal with me to deliver me out. And this uh, teaching I did called The Cleansing and the Canopy out of Isaiah 4, I'm like stunned today. I taught this in 2001. Whoa. And yet just today, I listened to someone very, you know, powerfully moving in the prophetic, and it's like they were reading from my notes. And yes, of course, I live in this. I I share this. I'm repetitive because I have a message to get out to the people of God that came because I needed it. And then he tapped me and said, Nancy, speak my word. I'm coming to cleanse my people, to bring them under the canopy of oneness with me, the canopy of my presence. And so, yes, Lord, and I've been doing that for years now and discipling people into that. And that's a part of what I mean by redefining discipleship. If you watch any of my lives on Facebook or Instagram and you follow me on social media, then you know that this is a part of that cry because we must get down into the specifics. Are we just those who throw out a message or are we actually willing to walk with people um, as they come under the judgment of God so that they can come into the oneness of, of God and live with him? And that is what real discipleship is about. Jesus said, if any man would come after me, pursue me, then let him take up his cross. Let him deny himself. Let him lay down his right to himself and so that he can follow me, so that he too can live like me unto the Father. You see, This is discipleship, is why would I follow Jesus unless I plan on living like him, letting him mature his life within me. And uh, so this is um, a part of that. And so as, as he is recalibrating me and he's tapping on me and he's speaking to me and I'm, I'm realizing ever the temptation is that there would come a mixture You know, like settle down just a little bit there, Nancy. (laughs) You know, just settle down. Don't get too, you know, overwrought about, you know, the condition of God's people. Okay. And then the Lord speaks and says, Nancy, speak what I give you. You know, but of course he does it in me first. And then, you know, as as the old saying goes, and I'll repeat myself again, is that the, the sword can't really come through your mouth until it's gone through your heart. And so this is what he has given, not just for me to speak, but to actually see that inner work actually be accomplished in people. And so the power of God's fire is coming to deal with the mixture because in Isaiah 4, 1 and 2, all right, because this is where tent talk was birthed out of, is it says that there's this duality of days. In the first verse, it says, in that day, seven women take hold of one man and they say, we will eat our own bread and provide our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. 
and what God had to speak to me deeply and personally many years ago because of perversion that had come into my life by my own hand as a stone-cold sober Christian who was in ministry that it was during a time of deep transition when God was shifting that my leg got caught up in a bear trap of selfish ambition and God had to speak to me once he brought me out because only he can bring you out of some of the places that you're finding yourself in. And I say to you today that he is bringing you out. That's why he will pass judgment on flesh He's passed judgment on you, my friend, if you're born again, as you are in Christ. You are pure. You are holy. You are righteous. You are his. And this is why he comes after you with such jealousy and such fire is because he wants to show you that which you may be embracing, that which you may be in, but it may be in you, but it is not of you. And he's trying to separate you out from it. But what happens is, is when we're so hung up in it and we're so into it, we think it's us. And so when his judgment comes, we think he's coming after us, but he's not. He's already separated you out unto himself, but now he's got to get you to want to be separate from the things that you may still be clinging to. So years ago, what he had to say to me out of this chapter four in Isaiah verse one was he told me, he said, Nancy, I'm not going to be married to you in name only. You can't just take my name and call yourself Christian but still take care of your own needs, still provide your own bread, still provide your own external clothings. He said, Nancy, you've got to come unto me for the purposes for which I saved you because I love you and because you're mine. And I will no longer tolerate being married to my people in name only, where they call themselves Christians where they call themselves believers, and then they stop there. They're satisfied because the reproach of their sin, being a sinner, has been dealt with, and uh, they've been satisfied at one depth, and so they stay there, and they remain there. And then it goes into verse 2, where it says, in that day, meaning at the same time, simultaneously, where we are living in our defiled independence from him, although we have his name in verse 1. In verse 2, he says, In that day, the branch of the Lord, that's Jesus, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be excellent and lovely to those of Israel who have escaped. All right, in the same day that there's all this defilement going on in the body of Christ, in that same day, the branch of the Lord Jesus will be seen for who he is, and then he will be chosen. He will be sought after. He will be pursued, and he will be enough for the very people that call themselves by his name. Wow, what days we are in, my dear friends. What days we are in that our God has loved us so much that he is going to separate us out unto himself. And it goes on to say that he brings us to himself for eternal life, for his life within us, that we can live like him, enjoy him. He can enjoy us. And out of that deep, intimate enjoyment, that deep maturing oneness that Jesus cried out for in John 17 as he prayed on his way to the cross, 
out of that will come fireworks out from underneath this tent. And it says in verse 4, after, my friends, there is an after. Don't ever think that the judgment and the dealings of God and the burning and the sifting and the judgment that he must bring to us to bring us into purity experientially, don't ever think that's the end. There's always an after. Just like in Hebrews 12, it says that, um, that uh, you know, all discipline for the moment is not joyful, but it is painful and grievous. But afterwards, there is the peaceable fruit of righteousness for those who are willing to be trained by it. There's always an afterwards, friend. That's not the end. All right. So it says, after the Lord has washed away the moral filth of the daughters of Zion, washed away the pride, vanity, haughtiness, and has purged the bloodstains of Jerusalem from the midst of it by the spirit and blast of judgment and by the spirit and blast of burning and sifting. And the Lord will create over the whole site, over every dwelling place of Mount Zion and over her assemblies, over every home, over every church, there will be a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. His presence, my friends, his presence for over all the glory shall be a canopy, a defense of divine love and protection. And there shall be a pavilion. There shall be a tent for shade in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and a shelter from storm and from rain. My friend, there's storms coming. There's rain that's coming. There's heat. There are all these conditions that we've tried to run away from ourselves. They're all still going to be present. But there is going to be such an internal presence of God to you personally that nothing will be able to dampen his presence. Nothing will be able to skew his image to you. Nothing will be able to shake you and move you like it does today. If we will go through the burning, sifting, and judging time with him, then we will come out on the other side, my friends, like Jesus. We will come out on the other side with him as the very sons of glory that his heart has always wanted. We will be to him that which he has always wanted. His glory is coming. The canopy of his glory, a place of divine love and protection inwardly, inwardly. And I believe this is part of the work of Nancy McCready Ministries is where he's sending me, all right? Not just where I'm being invited, but where he is sending me. He is pitching this tent of his presence within his people. Yes, this is discipleship. He is pitching the tent of his presence within. And then there shall be these locations and churches and pastors and leaders and fivefold ministry, gifts, the apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the church, the people of God shall function and live truly, privately and publicly as who they really are. But we must embrace, my friends, the tent talk. We must embrace where he speaks to you in ways you might not tolerate from any other person the way that he wants to speak with you because he is about to pass judgment. Oh, how proudly I say it. 
He is about to pass judgment upon those things that maybe we have embraced. He is about to pass judgment upon all flesh within us, not not people that you think are misbehaving, inside you, upon your own flesh, upon the ways in which you have tried to meet your own needs out of your own resources, independent of him. He is about to separate out those who will let him, who will allow him to love them in such a way. I am allowing him new and fresh today to love me in this way. And I want to encourage you to do that so that whatever those specifics are, and yes, we do get down in those specifics here on Tent Talk, but today is a recalibrating day. This happens often for us, my friends. This is why he says, take communion and do this in remembrance of me. He has given us many things that we do so as to bring ourselves back into remembrance of him and what it is that he's always after. If your Christianity is so self-focused that it's always what God should be doing for me and God is not doing for me today as I think he should be and why hasn't God done this and that and you find yourself if you're really honest so deeply offended with God with great controversy with God thinking that somehow God promised and he has not come forth and how nobody understands you okay did you hear all that all right that is the screamings of flesh about to meet the cross of Jesus Christ because flesh my friends will always find fault with God it will always consider itself more faithful to God than God has been faithful to it and if you find yourself with the squeeze of God coming on you today squeezing out your controversies with God squeezing out your conflicts with man which is what keeps you on your bed of depression, which is what keeps you going to others to get your needs met, keeps you offended with everybody. Listen to me. He loves you and he's coming for you. He is going to separate you out from your own flesh within because that's not really you if you're born again but it is the leftover residue of the old but now you have been made new but if you keep embracing the old trying the old ways you know begging God to help you do better because he loves you he cannot help you in that way he helps you by bringing fire there is fire coming. There are getting ready to be churches set on fire, places that are going to become houses of fire, and it will be the fiery eyes of the Lord Jesus right in the midst of his church, bringing a fire of love and then separating out the mixture that has gotten in us. And so I say to you today, I'm glad you were with me on Tent Talk today. I'm glad that today you're hearing about the real work of real, true discipleship. Does God want you healed, my friend? Well, of course he does. But his means of healing you is so intense, so powerful, and so good. 
Because first, we have to realize before God wants you healed, he wants you one with him. Then healing will flow like no uh, no other thing can flow, okay? And and sometimes I, I lack the words, right? I'm glad that my eloquence won't uh, get in the way of the power of the cross working in you. And uh, so this is what God is doing in answer to your cry, in answer to the prayers that you have prayed. He's coming for you because he loves you and he wants you for himself. He's jealous for you. So he's going to shake He's going to bring fire of burning and sifting and judgment to all flesh. Come into agreement with him about what he's showing you about flesh. Let him remove the hindrances between you and he moving as one. Let him pitch the tent of his presence over your home, over your life, over your family, over your church, over your business. Cry out for God to do what he has desired in this time. Let him come. Let him come to you the way he wants to come. If you'd like information on how to book Nancy McCready for an event or speaking engagement, visit nancymccready.com.